Welcome to Rink Wrap, the Bruins podcast with your host, Mick Collagio. Mick has been covering the Bruins since the Boston Garden days and has the guests and the insights on the hockey world from the local to the NHL. So drop what you're doing, drop the puck, and listen in on Rink Wrap with Mick Collagio. And it's Rink Wrap, the uh, first postseason edition, episode number 18. With your host, Mick Collagio, coming to you from the Standard Times in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, and omny.fm, omni.fm. And it's over now for the Boston Bruins for 2017-18, and it was an amazing, amazing season. And I'm doing a short podcast today just to... Do an initial recap of that. The Bruins will hold their media availability, some some of it later this week, uh, involving uh, players and uh, then one with Coach Bruce Cassidy and General Manager Don Sweeney, followed later in the month by uh, team owner uh, Jeremy Jacobs, his son Charlie, who is the uh, principal of the team and the CEO of Delaware North Boston Holdings, along with club president Cam Neely. So, things the what what shall we look at first off? The Bruins were beaten by a championship team. The Tampa Bay Lightning uh, is a core of players that has been coming along and has been uh, very. Uh, astutely augmented by general manager Steve Eiserman with trade deadline pickups, uh, Ryan McDonough on defense, uh, who was the Rangers number one defenseman for several years, got that team to the finals in 2014, back to another conference final uh, the next season. Uh, that team sort of ran its course, at least in the opinion of general manager Jeff Gorton, who developed as a as a hockey visionary with the Boston Bruins in their organization uh, and is now rebuilding that club um, at just about every position except in goal where they still have Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, But McDonough and J.T. Miller both joined the Tampa Bay Lightning to help augment a team that uh, has also acquired other players like former Pittsburgh Penguin and Anaheim uh, Duck Chris Kunitz, who won the cup with both clubs and is now trying to help uh, Tampa Bay win it for the first time since 2004 and only for the second time in franchise history. We'll see if they can do it. They're going to play the Washington Capitals, who ended Pittsburgh's uh, two-year reign as Stanley Cup champion. Um, Saw an article today online. How did Alex Ovechkin and... Washington Capitals, what was the secret? How did they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, I'll tell you how. They caught them after they won the Stanley Cup two years in a row and played way too much hockey than any anybody should uh, in a 24-month period. And then at the end of the next season, uh, beat them, uh, and not easily. So that's the secret. The Pittsburgh Penguins, congratulations first and foremost to them for doing what no club has done in the salary cap era, and that's win the Stanley Cup two years in a row. Had they done it a third time, I don't know. I would have found that is is unexplainable as the success of the Vegas Golden Knights. 
whom I must say, uh, while watching them play a game, I think it was game four of their series, whichever one went to overtime on the road that was won by William Carlson on that beautiful shot off the rush, uh, they probably could have won that overtime three or four times prior to the winning goal. That team is playing amazing hockey, and the Lightning are playing amazing hockey. And you can see the difference between those two clubs and most of the rest. Now, granted, Nashville, who is my preseason and pre-playoff pick to win the Stanley Cup this year, uh, is in against the Winnipeg Jets, which is an extremely formidable team. And, And the Predators faced elimination uh, last night, so you know now that this recording is coming to you on uh, Tuesday, uh, May 9th. Uh, the Preds shut out the Jets for nothing, including an empty net goal, to uh, avoid elimination and force a seventh game. Uh, I, I would have considered the Jets practically their equal in the series, except for the caveat that that team had no playoff experience as a team to build up to this event. Dustin Bufflin won the Stanley Cup with Chicago in 2010. That's a long time ago, and there's a lot of playoff misses in between. Um, who else? I mean, you can go right down the line there. This team is its also new to the Jets that it's pretty amazing what they've done as well, even though that team should have been in the playoffs in prior years. So... The fact that they're uh, giving Nashville this hard a time, I shouldn't be too surprised because I was really surprised that they hadn't been in the playoffs prior to. Once Mark Shifley broke out and became a legitimate top-line center, uh, then you had uh, a maturation of a group that was no longer a donut team like the Rangers had been through the sweet spot that they've now abandoned, but they were legit, and they are legit. And if not this year, then next for them to really make a, a serious run at it. Uh, the, uh, so the West is, is ultimately, uh, we'll see if it's a surprising end. I just have not been able to take the Golden Knights too seriously when I looked at the sum of their parts. But let's face it, this team is far exceeding the sum of those parts. Still, there is a certain architecture to a Stanley Cup contender that, that is uh, conventional in common among all teams going back. And one of those uh, elements is strength down the middle. And I look at that club and I say, okay, well, what do they got? Well, uh, if it wasn't for Jonathan March Assault, who broke in with the Tampa Bay Lightning, went to Florida, and really began to flourish there as a player. And uh, somehow the Panthers decided to expose him in the expansion draft of all the other good luck charms that the Golden Knights collected and turned into this uh, um, amazing hockey team, uh, or at least having a good team having an amazing season, uh, and Gerard Gallant is the shoe-in for the uh, Jack Adams Award as NHL Coach of the Year, uh, which is kind of a shame for um, Bruce Cassidy and the job he did, as well as uh, – uh, in New Jersey with Hines, uh, terrific season, even more so by them, considering I don't consider their roster equal to that of the Boston Bruins. So, uh, but but uh, the Knights, uh, without March Assault, I believe, uh, would be a house of cards. Um, but I got to say, uh, Riley Smith has found a compete level there that he's sustaining. He's twice the player that he was when he broke in with the Bruins and was having a pretty decent year, at least in two of the three parts 
uh, in uh, the first year that he was with the team, 13-14, and had the luxury of playing as as a depth player, uh, developing uh, in a uh, underneath a core group that was still championship level, at least at the forward lines. Uh, you go with that. You look at other reclamation projects like Chris Neal and. And you see uh, guys that weren't given much of a chance to to be impact players who are now uh, burst busting out at the seams like Carlson, and and then you know and then you talk about the former Bruins and and Malcolm Subban who had difficulty being a consistent performer at the American Hockey League level with Boston, and now has uh, made the tweaks in his game to be more than a serviceable backup to Mark Andre Fleury with Vegas. And then Colin Miller, I saved him for last. He is uh, Don Sweeney's um, pros- chief prospect acquisition in the Milan Lucic deal of 2015 with Los Angeles. Uh, Miller had played, he was a late bloomer, playing with the Manchester Monarchs, won the American Hockey League, uh, Calder Cup there, uh, also won uh, the fastest skating and hardest slap shot uh, uh titles at the American Hockey League All-Star Game, just as Ali Afraidy had done as in the NHL as a young lion. Um, and uh, But with the Bruins, Miller revealed himself to be a predatory hitter whose breakout game, and which is the chief job of a defenseman in today's NHL at least, uh, puck retrievals, clean first passes, uh, Miller has been much uh, more reliable as a member of the Golden Knights than he was with the Bruins. Uh, with the Bruins, um, he was really given to turnovers, uh, panic decisions, cough-ups, bad uh, throwaway passes, uh, because his priority was to avoid uh, the oncoming hitters, which were really angling toward him uh, because... Uh, he himself was a predatory hitter and, and therefore had to be preoccupied with retaliatory strikes. Uh, that's my theory on Colin Miller. Um, I haven't watched enough of Vegas to understand why it's changed for him in terms of their team dynamic versus how much of it is how much his maturation as a player. Not really sure how that works, but I do know that from watching enough of their games – that an awful lot of personal uh, flaws of players can be uh, minimized, covered up, or otherwise obscured by how well a team functions in a system. And right now, that team plays with so much uh, cohesive speed and tempo and purpose, uh, and there's so much glue in their game as a unit uh, that uh, other t- opponents have trouble keeping up. They are the monkey wrench team of the Western Conference playoffs. They are the team that has been forcing everybody to change and uh, what they're doing to cope with what uh, they're doing. And uh, th- no one succeeded yet. So this is going to be an exciting series between the winner of Game 7 of Preds and Jets versus the Golden Knights and really find out uh, how good Vegas is because to this point I haven't taken them seriously but I gotta say they really passed the eye test the last time I watched them and I began to have to contemplate if I uh, am late to the party here and and but uh, 
people there shouldn't be too happy about it because um, in as much as they, you know, give a hoot what I think, uh, it usually spells disaster if all of a sudden I start taking this team seriously as a Johnny come lately. Then, then they're going to fold. Uh, we'll see what happens. On the East, uh, Pittsburgh and Washington, we just talked touched briefly on them. Uh, the Penguins are finished. Uh, what a wonderful achievement for Mike Sullivan, uh, for Jim Rutherford, uh, for everything that went into building that club into what it became. And uh, credit to them for winning it twice. Uh, hard to believe it happened. And, um, and they almost got to another conference final, which is just a great job by the Penguins. Congratulations to the organization. Uh, Washington Capitals, I didn't think that they were what they had been, uh, so I didn't take them too seriously this year. But the one reason I held back uh, from considering them as a cup contender this year, I had picked them to win the Stanley Cup at least one or two of the last three years, is because Evgeny Kuznetsov had kept disappearing come playoff time. Regular season guy, looked like he could be a heavy centerman, looked like he could be a real problem down low looked like he could really protect pucks looked like he could hold ground looked like he could do the ugly things that are necessary in order to make the hard plays in traffic and score the goals that aren't necessarily pretty uh looked to me like he was the guy that was the wild card there because come playoff time he would start doing the flyby he would not stop at the net he would go take the puck to the outside and his uh, grit game seemed to go away in the postseason this year. That apparently has not happened. And he scores the overtime winner in game six on the road, which is the most exciting play in hockey, the overtime goal that ends a playoff series. Um, don't, don't believe what you hear about the penalty shot being the most exciting play in hockey. Uh, it's clearly the uh, scoring chance in overtime of a playoff game, especially one that could end a playoff series and ultimately win the Stanley Cup in overtime. That's your most exciting play in hockey. And it happens every once in a while. Let's go through it. Since I'm doing a podcast and I do what I get, uh, what I want to do, and it's almost 14 minutes here. Uh, in my lifetime, uh, Bobby Orr did it, May 10th, 1970. I saw one happen with the naked eye. Seven years later, Jacques Lemaire at Boston Garden uh, to complete Montreal's sweep in the second of four straight championships for that uh, greatest team of all time uh, that was uh, jilted by the fan vote that was rigged by uh, picking the generation at which it was addressed. Um, certainly not the 84-85 Edmonton Oilers. Maybe the greatest offensive machine, but um, look at the record. Uh, in any case, uh, you have them. You have the Bobby Nystrom doing it with the New York Islanders in uh, 1980. You have uh, Brett Hull doing it for the Dallas Stars in Buffalo in the controversial skate in the crease. Actually, it interfered with Dominic Hasek's stick, so I, I would actually have him in the box if I was the ref, but he did it. They won it, and then the very next year, the winning goalie of that game, Eddie the Eagle Belfour, was at the, on the wrong end of it at home against the New Jersey Devils as Jason Arnett finished the pass from Patrick Eliash, and the Devils won the Stanley Cup for the second time in 2000. Uh, and uh, I skipped over Uwe Krupp in 1996, as the third-year Florida Panthers Cinderella their way to the Stanley Cup final, and Uwe Krupp won it for the Colorado Avalanche with a shot from the right point in Miami 
where the NHL only played a few years before Florida built a nice big arena out behind the Sawgrass Mall in Sunrise. Uh, how many more have there been? Alec Martinez with the Los Angeles Kings in 2014, scoring on Henrik Lundqvist at home. That was quite the celebratory uh, uh, sight. That that goal was terrific. Um, I'd have to go year by year to remember whether I'm not I'm missing any, and I don't want to do that to you today. So let's go on to the Boston Bruins. Let's talk about what what. Uh, let's evaluate a couple of things here. Uh, even strength scoring completely dried up in this series which had been the hallmark of Boston's game going past the Claude Julian regime and into the Bruce Cassidy years. Uh, we now have a Bruins team that was only better on the power play and, and wasn't uh, good at five on five. Some of this had to do with Riley, uh, Riley Nash getting hit in the ear with that puck. His game was never the same after he came back. And that really upset the Bruins' third line uh, and their ability to have a linchpin two-way center down the middle, a poor man's Bergeron, if you will. Um, I think the problems with the Krejci line were really related to the softness of Rick Nash. And even though he scored those two five-on-five goals uh, early in the series, there really wasn't much going on with that line. Jake DeBrus was getting beat up. David Krejci was uh, kind of a one-hand collapsing there to borrow a Kevin DuPont line. And uh, Rick Nash certainly was not worth a first-round draft pick, in my opinion. I didn't think so at the time. I didn't think it was a great idea for the Bruins to rent. Maybe uh, I understand uh, the feeling is, you know, hey, you guys have had a great season. You deserve for us to add to the team. I'll never understand why uh, not going for Ryan McDonough, well, we don't want to change the DNA of the club. Um, you know, that that part there I'll never understand. Why is, why is Rick Nash's DNA better than Ryan McDonough's? I just watched six games of or five games of Ryan McDonough and Rick Nash playing against each other, and I, and, and I don't think there's anybody who would rather have the DNA of Rick Nash at this point in his career against the DNA of Ryan McDonough. And when you look at what the Bruins were at the end of their season – uh, with with uh, Zdeno Chara uh, at age 41 trying his uh, darndest to try to hold off the the uh, the lightning who are coming furiously and in waves and um, their depth was was excellent in this series and it really came forward and the way they played they were so hard on the puck they were so hard defensively that uh, that really uh, as impressive as Chara's season was and his playoff. It really exposed the Bruins for not having another top four presence, a legitimate one on that left side. I love Tory Krug. I think he should wear the A every chance he gets. Um, I think he's a terrific competitor, and uh, it was really tragic that he went out with a, an injury the way he did. Uh, but I think this was a missed opportunity for the Bruins to generationally uh, address the gap in years between the next uh, Stopper and Chara, who will be back next year, and that's great for the Bruins. But, um, I mean, it, it didn't really look like Tampa needed this guy as much as Boston, and Tampa's the one that got him. They also got J.T. Miller, who really helped them out as well. Uh, the hit on David Backus, there's a lot of debate about that. Uh, Backus, um, you know, obviously uh, has been uh, knocked out before in the playoffs. 
Uh, if there's one real flaw in his game, it's that he tends to make himself too available to receive body contact after letting the puck go. It's honorable on his part, but I don't think it's necessarily healthy for him. He should become more crafty as he gets older here uh, and making sure that he doesn't take too many bad hits because uh, that one, uh, you know, uh, not maybe not as bad as the Seabrook one, but pretty bad. So uh, the Bruins had issues. Um, if you want to talk about Marshand, um, I really don't want to get into the uh, reason he made headlines beyond the hockey and sports world. Um, everybody knows that that's disgusting, it's stupid, and it's a good thing that uh, the NHL finally woke up and addressed it. I can't believe it took him that long. Um, I think that you got to remember when you look at Marshand that uh, remember this quote regarding Ryan Callahan. He punched me in the face four times. And he was getting close, so nothing big. Well, you know, Marshan will do what he's got to do to discourage and otherwise frustrate people who are trying to take him out. Uh, when the Vancouver Canucks attempted to run him, he bent over at the waist and back, and a player flipped right over. They all, you know, his name was Mud after that. Uh, but sometimes Marshan crosses the line. Uh, I didn't like the hit on Callahan. I thought that Marshan came in low purpose, purposefully. I know he was getting rid of the puck and he saw Callahan coming and he was going to try to do that to him. Callahan's a, a, a wily old vet who is a very physical player and he wasn't going to have it. So he didn't let uh, Marshan hit him that way and knock him over, but he went after him for trying. I don't blame him. I think that that's all uh, part of the battle of the playoffs, but I think that Marshan. Uh, much more concerned when he tries to uh, take somebody out at the knees or, for instance, the regular season play in which Nicholas Cronwall, who's a great defenseman, coming back near the end of his career from a long absence, and he's out near the blue line, and Marshan's doing a shift change, and he's skating back to the Boston bench, and he kind of goes past Cronwall, and he kicks out one of his legs. What is that all about? Why? Why do you do that? Uh, Oh, because it gets under his skin? I don't think injuring a legendary player is necessarily uh, good karma for you, your team. I don't think it adds. I think it subtracts. I think that uh, Marshan's an uh, an awesome talent. Uh, Very few uh, wingers have been able to protect the puck like he can over the course of his career, and he just seems to get better at it every year. It'd be nice if he was just preoccupied with focusing on the things that he can do and um, and I know guys come and they try to hit him, and, and I don't blame him for improvising. Um, I just think that uh, he's got to understand uh, that uh, there are things you can't do in this league, and, and, uh, and, and until he does, uh, he's always going to be a point of controversy. Okay, moving on from him. Um, that line, uh, it, was, it, was, it was easy for – well, easy is a bad word because they torched Braden Point to minus five in game one. But the Lightning did a much better job against the Bergeron line and limiting five-on-five uh, five scoring chances at, thereafter. Uh, we talked about what happened with Krejci, Rick Nash. I considered invisible after game one. Uh, Jake DeBrus did his best. He was a terrific uh, young player. Uh, whom I had underrated uh, coming into his first camp with the Bruins. Um, he, I just thought that his ability to uh, sneak up on the game and catch it flat-footed, uh, that that would only take him so far. And that part is true, but he has so much more to his game than I realized. And his ability to to maintain 
against the wall and skate against the wall that has uh, hit so many young players. And we saw it hit Danton Heinen and, and really interrupt, uh, you know, what had been a really nice beginning of the season for him. And, and you know, this past season, it started out so well. Uh, and I thought his game came back late, but you know, when you're in desperate situations, you got to try different things. It doesn't mean Heinem was awful or anything like that. I still consider him as a player on the incline and one that the Bruins can be excited about. Um, one of the things that the Bruins now have to look at with their forwards is contracts. There are certain guys whose contracts are expired and they are free agents and they will go to market. They include both Nashes, Riley and Rick. Uh, they include the extra guys who brought in at the trade deadline and deployed a little here, a little there. Tommy Wingles, Brian Jonta, plus defenseman Nick Holden, who played at the end when Tory Krug got hurt. Um, you got those guys. I don't think any of these guys are back. The only two free agents that I think the Bruins uh, would cons- heavily consider bringing back uh, would be uh, Anton Hudobin, the backup goaltender, um, and uh, left winger Tim Schaller. Uh, Tim Schaller, uh, it really depends on uh, whether Schaller wants to go to market or whether the Bruins feel strongly enough about his game. You know, granted, in the playoffs, he looked uh, overmatched at times, and he actually came out of the lineup for the first time during this Tampa series. So it may be that the Bruins will look at him differently now in light of the playoff uh, situation. But uh, he was a terrific player for them all season long. And uh, in the fourth line, which is really based on Corrales, uh, Sean Corrales' uh, frenzied pace and energy and uh, Nola Chari's ability to throw thunderous body checks. Uh, they needed glue, and Charlotte was a terrific all-purpose player to give them that from the left-wing position, sort of a, a P.J. Axelson style of player, uh, heavier player than Axelson, obviously, but um, and maybe not quite the, the skater that P.J. was up and down the ice, but certainly added uh, some craftiness and glue to that line and playmaking ability and filling in and real smarts. I think that that uh, Charlotte was very good for them that way. So it really depends on what Charlotte is looking for and what's going to be out there for him versus what the Bruins think they can do on maybe a two-year basis. We'll see. Hudobin uh, had a terrific season front to back, uh, helping, uh, you know, including that, that very pivotal part of the season when things weren't going well for the Bruins and Tuka Rask wasn't saving them from it and Hudobin came in and turned things around on the West Coast and then Rask got his game and the Bruins were off and running and see you later. Uh, his his uh, contribution you know, has to be weighed heavily uh, when you look at competing for him. I'm not sure there is an NHL team out there that looks like looks at Anton Hubdobin and sees a potential starter. Therefore, it's probably in the Bruins' best interest to bring Hudobin back uh, at, a, at a competitive price, at a market price, because uh, it's not like they have a surefire uh, replacement. Zane McIntyre has not succeeded in his NHL uh, shots, and he didn't really get one this year. So... Uh, you wonder what's going on there. Is it going to be uh, Dan Vladar, who was busy in the ECHL and played some AHL as well this past season? Um, are they looking at him? Do they want to go back to a tryout kind of situation? 
they saw how much better the team did and how much better Rast did without that and with Hudobin back. So why would you abandon that now when you don't have a solution present in the organization? So I'm leaning toward the Bruins going to try to keep Anton Hudobin. Now, Riley Nash, uh, being a third-line center and playing as well as he did until that uh, gruesome ear injury when the puck hit him, uh, he – he is a guy that uh, it'd be nice to be able to just plug him right back in there. But the problem is, is that he can go to market and get a pretty decent deal after the season he had for the Bruins. And if the Bruins dedicate that money, then not only do they run into cap problems with the young players that they're going to, going to have to address in uh, uh, restricted free agency coming up, but they're also going to stunt the growth of prospects that are battling and and developing and looking to make leaps and i think they want to leave that position open for those guys to do that whether it's uh, a guy like jakob forsbacher carlson in providence whether it's uh jack studnika who just turned pro trent frederick who turned pro uh after college um uh austin zarnick is still with the organization uh, you have um, uh, Ryan Donato showed before the adrenaline wore off that he may have the makings of being a really good two-way heavy center for the Bruins. So I would think as well that he's a guy that would be in the mix to audition at least at that position. There could be a lot going on in the coming season for the Bruins, plus they have the luxury of moving David Backus into the center position as needed uh, you know, with that and the situation with Nash's contract and what the competition is likely to present, I expect the Bruins to reluctantly let Riley Nash go to market. Uh, beyond that, remember next year that Andrews Bjork will be returning from an injury that unfortunately canceled his season uh, right after a recall uh, it was uh, from a short-lived assignment to Providence that was long time in coming because of a trailing off performance when he hit his wall. Uh, let's go to the defense and talk about the construction of the D as we know it. Uh, Zidane Chara, as you know, is, is re-signed. He's coming back. Uh, it's presumed that he'll play again with Charlie McAvoy, who was terrific. Uh, young player gaining experience uh, who really has the makeup as well as the talent to become a star in the NHL. Uh, the second pairing bears um, some interest as Brandon Carlo tragically missed out on the playoffs for the second of his two-year NHL career with a season uh, end-of-season injury. It's just uh, amazing what bad luck that kid had. Uh, Adam McQuaid, Kevin Miller... All right-side players, Brandon Carlo, right-side player, Charlie McAvoy, right-side player. Kevin Miller can switch to left side. Uh, it's very rare, though. The Bruins have had stretches where uh, both guy, where all four are available, and they were happy with what was going on in the left side of the rink with Chara, Krug, and Matt Grizzlick. And in those cases, sometimes uh, McQuaid found himself odd man out of the lineup a little bit with Kevin Miller as well. Uh, I think that that's a situation the Bruins want to try to resolve. There's a lot of moving parts 
fairly certain Nick Holden would not figure in any of that for them. Uh, I do think that there's, you know, they also have uh, prospects, but I don't think any of them are ready to make the leap into the NHL for next season. Uh, Robbie O'Gara, of course, went to New York in the trade uh, for Rick Nash, so we know that that's not happening. Um, some of the other touted prospects uh, from the last few drafts, whether it's Lazon or uh, Zaborol, um, you know, uh, and then, there, then there's the uh, Finnish uh, prospect uh, Vakaninen, whom I really liked when watching the World Junior Tournament. I thought he was terrific. I love the, the short gap that he plays and how he hovers over the play and how he's uh, got a, such a good stick and he can really skate. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to, to develop. And I think that if you look at the Bruins over the next five years, probably most of the change in the roster uh, will have to happen on defense, particularly the left side of the defense, as uh, the Bruins prepare to move on from Chara eventually. When will that happen? It's kind of the Bruins' version of the Tom Brady conversation, uh, minus the controversies that uh, followed the Patriots in the last 12 months. Uh, that's going to kind of be it for rink wrap for the closing uh wrap up on the season to win 50 games with this club to do what they did you know only uh, nine or ten Bruins teams ever have won 50 games in a season what an accomplishment I do think they were a bit seduced by that and should have uh, tried hard for Ryan McDonough um, they left him off the radar and just went with Rick Nash I didn't like that outcome. I don't think it served him well. I don't think it really matters in the long run because, like I kept uh, harping on before, uh, no team had ever won the Stanley Cup, uh, at least in the expansion era, which is 50 years old now, uh, with a 20-year-old defenseman playing 27 minutes. Uh, It just doesn't happen. It didn't happen again. And it won't. Uh, And so great experience for Charlie McAvoy. Next year he'll have all of that under his belt. Hopefully Brandon Carlo will get some too. And the Bruins will continue on this incline. And if we get to February of 2019 and the Bruins are seated, you know, five or six in the East and and the playoffs look like they're probably going to happen, but it's not like what went wrong. This team overachieved in the regular season this year. There's no getting around it. And uh, all decisions shouldn't be made based on that. I think the dose of reality that the Tampa Bay Lightning inflicted in the second round of the playoffs should be a guiding light that will serve the Bruins well with their decision-making and their, uh, you know, their outlook toward development and uh, what we should expect as fans and media going into uh, next season. So, uh I'm sure that I'll be back again to comment on the NHL playoffs and hopefully have a good interview for you before it's all said and done. Until then, remember, you can listen to Rink Rap at uh, Google Play, iTunes, and at Omni.fm. You can read Rink Rap at blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. And follow me on Twitter at Mick Collagio. Until the next time, happy hockey, everyone.